Welcome to the Abundant Grace Podcast, where we discuss the gospel, freedom in Christ, and victorious Christianity. My name is Emily Lewis, and I am so honored that you are here. Sometimes Christianity can feel complicated or become heavy. I'm here to lighten that load. I pray that the chats had on this broadcast will empower and encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Hello, friends. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Abundant Grace podcast. Today, I am bringing back Rebecca Drumsta from last week's episode. We recorded another episode just talking about what I think she really specializes in, and that is parenting and deconstruction in the same conversation. She is such a blessing to me, and I know that this conversation will be a blessing to you as well. Really, this conversation is applicable for anybody who is concerned with your influence of the people around you while you are trying to take apart your faith and what you believe and go about reconstructing it and the messy process that it it really is. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Rebecca Drumsta. Welcome back to the show, Rebecca. It is so good to have you on again. Thank you. Yeah. So today I would love to talk to you about what I think of as your specialty, and that's deconstruction at the same time you're parenting. Could you please introduce yourself to us? I'm a religious abuse advocate, raising awareness through writing, coaching, and speaking. I'm also a mom and director of PR for an international nonprofit. Maybe if we can start with just a little bit of a recap. What are you talking about when you say religious deconstruction? And what are you talking about when you say faith reconstruction? So I view deconstruction or faith deconstruction as dissection. We love science in our family. And so it clicked in my brain one day as we're sitting, going to a science class and my daughter was dissecting a squid. I saw and it just clicked. I had this image and I was like, that's what I've been doing with my belief system. It's dissecting. Uh It's tearing apart and analyzing and labeling and marking and studying and looking at it. So that's what I, I view faith deconstruction as. Every single piece, part, whether it's on the outside or the inside, um, the things that you look at on the outside, the things you feel and believe on the inside, it's looking at every single item under a microscope and saying, is this healthy? Is this sound? Is this logical? Is Mm. this actually from God? And so that is the deconstruction process. Reconstruction is when we've said, okay, so I know that these parts are wrong, or this is not biblical, or this is not from the heart of God, or this was just a man's belief or opinion, or this was something that I wasn't actually taught. But growing up in that world, that's what I assumed it was. That's what I believed because nobody helped me understand anything differently. So reconstruction is where you decide what is going to stay in your belief system. That might be your politics, your parenting, um, if you're going to stay a Christian or not, what denomination you're going to be, 
Um, so basically you're reparenting yourself through reconstruction by saying, this is what now that I've learned to be true. This is why I've learned it to be true. And these are the choices that I have freely made for myself or my family using my free will. And you build then a whole new foundation for what you believe. And so it's really, it's just the opposite. It's the mirror image, deconstructing, tearing apart, and then reconstruction, rebuilding. Mm -hmm. You're so good at defining those. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. So what are the unique challenges that parents are facing who are navigating their own religious deconstruction? One of the unique challenges I have seen, and there are, there are several, but one of them I've seen is that we tend to go to the extreme. Um, something such as you weren't allowed to drink alcohol. And so now suddenly you have a kid who turns 18 or 21 and you decide that they need to go party. Like here, mom's giving you the beer and you're going to go out and they go to the extreme with their children, allowing them to have these experiences that the rest of society would consider normal but what that we didn't get to live through, whether that was getting your ears pierced or your first kiss or dating. So many of us had uh, courtship or other forms of uh, betrothal, things along those lines. And so whatever an experience is that you feel like you missed out on as a child, a teenager, young adult, um, so often we swing all the way over and almost force our kids into this whole, you want that, you want to experience that. That's supposed to be normal mm. instead of, you know, like, for example, um, there's certain types of clothing that my daughter likes to wear. And I literally looked at her the other day and went, mommy has fought so hard to give you the freedom to wear you know, other things, but yet she chooses a certain style of clothing. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like, where's the shorts and tank tops? Like you don't have to wear stuff underneath and layers and pull it up to your collarbone or, you know? And so we feel that we have to give our kids these, these freedoms and that they're supposed to take them. Mm. And when they don't, it can be very triggering or frustrating and we can actually push too hard on our kids to accept a freedom um, but yet they're like, well, that's just not me. Like, I don't want to go party or I don't want to date or I don't want to wear, you know, shorts and tank tops. Or... And so I feel like we often, it's, it's a tendency to go to that extreme. Mm -hmm. Another thing would be um, triggers. So you're in the middle of even starting when they're infants, you can be triggered by your child's behavior or by your response to their behavior or by your partner's response to the child's behavior. And so I think those are the two bigger ones that I've seen going to the extreme and triggers which can come up pretty much all day, every day. Uh, you'll stop you and be like, oh, dang it, that was so much like my mother, or that was what the pastor always said, or that was from that parenting program. I thought I'd gotten through that, but there I did it again. Or your child, you know, acting out or saying certain words like, I hate you, mommy. Well, the old way would respond a certain way. But what's the correct way to respond when your child is expressing those very temporary but intense emotions when they're expressing that at you? So 
Mm -hmm. So how do you see parents working through those then like the triggers and their, like their response to their children's actions, and then trying to find that balance that seems so elusive. Cause I think we paint this idealistic picture maybe of the balance of not wanting to go to the other extreme or just trying to figure out what is the right path. Yeah. For me personally, you have to, you do have to feel it. A trigger is a sign that something is off or something is wrong or something is deep inside of you that is bothering you. So a trigger is basically just a flag that's waving saying, okay, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. And a lot of within fundamentalism, within legalism, within a lot of traditional Christian constructs, parenting is viewed so differently. They want to control that behavior. And so when your child, let's use the, I hate you, mommy example. Well, how you and I were raised or how other people may have been raised. That was a quick, you're going to get a spanking. You're going to get sent to your room. How dare you be so disrespectful to your mother? It's dealt with very strongly, very harshly sometimes. And it becomes all about the mom or the dad or whichever parent was just, I hated you. And that can become a traumatic experience for a child because from a five-year-old, a six-year-old, a 12-year-old's perspective, when a child tells you, I hate you, it's because they're dealing with big emotions inside of themselves. And so as a parent, that can be triggering for us because we want to go and we want to deal with it harshly, just like it was dealt with with us because I'm the authority here. Mm. And so as we go, we are being triggered by these things that you have to stop. And this is what I've had to teach myself to do is I have to stop. And it's not about me. So much of fundamentalism, legalistic parenting makes it all about the parent and nothing about the child. So when my child does something that, that yes, it may be wrong. It may be, you know, it might be sinful or it might be what, you know, whatever, It's not about me as the parent. So when my kid were to look at me and say, I hate you, mom, I need to realize that they are dealing with something inside their mind and their heart and their emotions and removing that personalization Mm -hmm. and realizing this is about what my child is needing right now at the moment. And so, yes, there can be consequences, so many times it needs to come later, not in that moment, not acting so harshly and so quickly. And so when you're triggered by a behavior or, you know, something that with your child, it's reminding yourself that it's not being directed at you because it's not about you. Mm -hmm. And so that's another thing that um, I actually had a good friend of mine who is a, um, is a psychologist. I was talking with her one day about some of the struggles that I was having. And she looked at me and she's like, Rebecca, th- you sound really narcissistic. And that I was, it made me angry. I was like, no, I am not. Nar-, you know? And she's like, no, stop and think through what you've just said on how I'm the mother Um, how mothers and parents are the most important things in their child's life and how without us, I started listing off these things and she's like, those are narcissistic beliefs, honey. And so I was like, wait a minute. 
So through these traditional teachings about parenting from the church, I've become a narcissistic parent because I think that my child can do nothing and be nothing without me. Mm. And that it all centers, my discipline centers around how they treated me has nothing to do with the child themselves. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I see and has helped me as I process through these triggers and process through the moments where I'm like, what do I do? I have to realize this is about my child. This is about that because they don't know what it was like being raised in cult environments. They don't know what it was like to be manipulated and controlled. So they are expressing, you've given them a freedom to express from, from this place. Like they have no ability to understand where you're coming from because mm. you've provided them such a different environment. I'm responding from the environment that I grew up in, but my child is responding from the environment that they are currently in. And so we're in two different places. I kind of hopped all over the place there, but I hope that mm. explains some of it. Yeah, definitely. And because I have experienced all of those triggers, what are some fears that come up when you are talking to parents and helping a them lot, navigate this? Yeah. A lot of the fears are no different than normal, like every parent's fears. You're afraid of doing it wrong, of messing up your kid, of treating them exactly like you were treated without realizing it. And so we have these fears that often drive our decisions on how we parent. Um, I've, I've seen that in myself, like pretty much every week. <laughs> There's things that I won't do or I do because, oh, I can't do that. Like that harmed me as a kid and I can't force my daughter to do this or I don't wanna make her do her chores or I don't want to. So I, I struggle through those, those same fears. And the reality is, you are going to mess up your child. That's just the reality. Right. Um, no matter how much you love them, but you have the chance to show them unconditional love, which so many people who are having to deconstruct their faith and their belief systems. And a lot of it comes back to, they honestly didn't feel loved and accepted by their parents. And so mm. the people that I've known who have felt very, loved and accepted by their parents no matter what they have a they may deconstruct or change some of their beliefs but they are so much more secure in their identity and it's a much easier process and so you have the chance to to, to show your children what unconditional love looks like even if it means and you know you are you're gonna mess them up at some point so so often Parents intervene because we think we know so much better than our kids and children are not given enough credit. You know, we, we, I see my daughter playing with all these other kids and whenever parents get involved is when tears come out and things get ugly and it gets weird. But if we just go over and just watch the children and tell them, okay, you have an issue, you two go work it out. They always work it out. Mm. And so it's not our job to constantly be policing every single thought and action and movement of our kids. And I love what Jen Hatmaker said one time where she said about, um, well, we're all going to mess up our kids. So what we've decided to do is just allocate money in our will 
for therapy. So after we die, they can just go to therapy and it's all covered. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so I was like, okay, that's a good, good point. But so much <laughs> of it is learning to listen to your gut. And if you have stayed a Christian, if you still identify as Christian, it's allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your children. So teaching them to listen to when God is talking to them, even as little ones. What is God telling you? What has God talked to you about? Where in the Bible does God want to, you know, how is God showing you this through who he is or through his word or mm. ex- helping them own their own thoughts, their own decisions. And um, it's not a hands-off approach, but it's a much more gentle, you're there as a coach and a counselor, not as an authoritarian. And I'm the mom, I'm the dad, and you're going to do what I tell you to do. And I'm God in your life. And, you know, I, God mm-hmm. speak, like I've, I heard this in my own life growing up where it mm-hmm. was, you know, God spoke to the authorities and then they tell me and I could do nothing in and of myself, even though here I was 20 years old, I still had to go through an authority before I could make a decision about my life or sure. even if a trip I wanted to take or things like that. I love that you said it's not about being a perfect parent. It's not about not screwing up. It's not about Mm -hmm. creating perfect children. It's about teaching them unconditional love because that's a high calling for us. It's not like that's just an easy thing to do. And maybe that's been so powerful in my life when you understand God's unconditional love for you. And wow, if you can get that also from your parents, it's such a gift. And so many traditional parenting methods um, or trending methods, they really skip that part about, Mm. and it's not, I love you for who you are, not for how you behave. And there was one book I actually have in front of me, I've been doing some research and it was very popular when I was growing up and the ministry that wrote the, the book still exists today. And so much of what they recommend is just bunk. You're setting your children up for mental and emotional health problems when you raise them that way. And that's what we all are. And so that's how I see there's this whole generation of people who've been mentally, emotionally, yes, spiritually tainted and abused and hurt because of a lot of it goes back to, it goes back to those parenting methods. So yes, it turns into extremism, but again, the focus is on behavior modification and controlling your child's outward appearance and outward behaviors instead of looking at their heart and how you are there to serve your child, to be a guide for your child, not to break their will, not to make them look just like you want them to look like. Mm -hmm. I have an interesting question about the parents who raise their kids in this. What do they think of their own relationship with their kids now? Some parents um, who raise their children in these ways, they realize they were wrong. They realize that they made mistakes, that they were trying to do what was right. And I believe that's the majority of people. If you look statistically speaking in the different um, communities I've been a part of, the parents generally have wounds from their own past. And whether they were abused as children or made choices in their young adult years that they regret. 
and they are searching for answers because they wanted to they want to raise their kids in an environment that was safe that was godly and biblical and so they find the these teachings through fundamentalism and they're all linked pretty much all the authors all the the preachers like once you start once you realize that everybody's connected and so one easily leads into another whether it's a teaching a pastor a book and these parents were honestly trying to do the best that they could for their kids mm-hmm. and so the majority of people that i've spoken to who have a relationship with their parents their parents are willing to admit that they made a mistake but that they were trying to do their best at the time there sure. are parents who are very resistant who still believe everything and they believe that their children even though they may be adults with their own children um are being rebellious and turning away from God. They want nothing to do with them. Um, there is a lot of that that happens too. So right. it's it's not a majority of one way or the other. So going back to deconstruction, yeah. does that level of wrestling with what you believe, mm-hmm. do you find that damages or strengthens families? I feel like this is a very complex question. Okay. Um, It sounds simple, but this is why it depends on so many different factors. So if there is a husband and a wife who are raised similarly, and they are both going through a change of belief at the same time, there would be one Hmm. outcome. If there was an all in the old beliefs and there's another spouse who's moving another way or partner that could have a different outcome. And so then again, are there extended families? Are they supportive of what they're going through? And it also depends on how deeply people were in some of, you know, somebody who was raised. And so I've seen positives and I've seen extreme negatives as well. Marriages, it takes a toll. It can be good. Again, if both partners, whether if both partners are on the same page with like, yeah, we need to evaluate some things. Um, there's a couple I know of right now who one of them has decided to be agnostic while the other says, I still identify as Christian, but definitely not in the traditional American, North American viewpoint of Christianity. And so they are supporting one another through all of this. And it's beautiful to watch them on their journey. But yet I also know of others who have divorced over this issue because this is too much, you know, you've been diagnosed with PTSD and all of these things because of all of the, the trauma and abuse that you suffered at the hands of this belief system. And I can't deal with that. Mm. Um, it's too much for me to deal with. Sometimes you lose your extended family. It hurts very deeply. And then again, there's others who, when the parents say, you know what, we goofed up, but we thought we were doing what was right. We're sorry. How can we support you through this? You know, I've seen again where those situations can become very strong and there may be some tense moments or some difficult conversations, but it can be worked through. Now, on a positive side, you're giving your kids that are watching all of this a really good platform for their life. Sometimes the reason a marriage, as you deconstruct, sometimes your marriage would end in divorce because you realize that you're being abused. So you may stand up and say, this is not okay. 
I will no longer stand for abuse for my children or for myself. And after you've given it time and the other person has rejected that, you may end up having to walk away from an abusive marriage, but your children now see that you said no, instead of like your family did or the people in your church did and they suffered it, they just toughed it out because, you know, we have to stay married no matter what, even though all these abuses are going on. Um, you've shown your children, you've taken a stand for that. So there can, mm. there's difficult stuff. So I, I have yet to, to meet a person who has gone through a faith and belief, such a radical change without there being something very difficult happen in their family. Mm-hmm. That it's not to say that positive will not come because it does. But again, the positives, I believe we have to look through the eyes of our children where we're not, we might be the first generation to stand against specific abuses and traumas that have been carried throughout our family, or maybe you might be a second or third generation in a church as well. And you're finally, you're the one who says the buck stops here, not on my watch. This is over. And when a person has to stand up and do that, it is not easy, but it's always worth it because you're breaking that chain. You're breaking the cycle for your children. And yes, again, you might lose a marriage. You might lose a family. Um, but there's so much to be gained when you're standing up for what's absolute truth and saying no to abuse and saying no to manipulation and coercion and, you know, all of these things. And for me, I would say in the end, there has been so much more positive than negative. I've gone through a lot of things in my personal life that are not comfortable that I would never want to walk through again because of changing my beliefs. But in the end, I feel that God is so much closer to me. Mm. I have so much more freedom. Freedom isn't free, but the value that freedom holds is priceless. Mm. That's so well said. And I don't think there's anybody better to speak on it because you have seen the good, bad, and the ugly. And I think it's so hopeful if anyone's read your story to hear that it's still worth it after everything that, um, I guess, like you just said, freedom isn't free. Everything that you've paid to be able to experience that freedom in Christ and that freedom from uh, manipulative relationships. So passing down to our kids and choosing to walk through difficult situations, what is one of the most important things that parents can give to their children through this? Yeah, I've been kind of pondering that question today. I actually asked my daughter, who we were sitting doing our, our work, her homeschool work, and I was drinking coffee and I said, so you've walked through this whole journey with mommy. And I said, well, you know that I've been changing the things, you know, that I believe in and how some of the things, how I was raised, the things that I had to do when I was your age or couldn't do, how I've realized that's not really what God believes or what God teaches. I was like, so if you were to talk to a kid whose mommy and daddy were starting to change their beliefs, what would you tell them? And I was waiting for something super profound or like, (laughs) and she just looked at me and said, I think I would tell them that when they grow up, it's okay if they don't believe exactly like their mom and dad do. Wow. I said, really? That's what you tell them? She said, yeah. So that's that's what you tell me. 
Because that's doesn't matter what I believe, right? Because you're going to love me. And I was like, okay, that's insightful. And so she's like, mom, I, I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to, she's first qualifying these things. I was like, that's not it. But her, her advice to other kids was, it's okay if when you grow up, you don't believe exactly like mom and dad. Because we don't have to fear, like, what if I change my mind on this? And then my kids even go take this a step further. Like, we don't have to be afraid of that because we, no. we're not in control of it. We're not trying nope. to control it. And nope. then I love that your daughter already knows, like, I'm allowed that autonomy. That's amazing. Yeah. And so the, the most important thing, I don't know, I have a list of notes that like I've written down throughout the day as I was thinking about this, because I'm like, such an important topic. I don't want to miss stuff. My, my thoughts are all over the place. And one of the things would be, I've watched through all my years of, I've taken all the parenting classes through the churches and I read every book. I mean, when my daughter was born, I probably had like 50 parenting books beside my bed and I was reading it all and I started noticing now that there's a pattern where parents through traditional Christian teachings have been told that you have to spend more time shaping and correcting and disciplining your own, your child, your children, than you do developing your character, your beliefs and focusing on your own behavior as a parent. That's so good. Again, that ties into being that narcissistic parent, not because you are a narcissist, but because you've been taught to have those behaviors. And I just would challenge people to make sure that you are not spending so much of your day disciplining and correcting and dealing with all the children's behavior things, but you haven't stopped to analyze your own behavior to see how you, what example are you giving to your kid through how you're acting by so much hypocrisy. I mean, you would see parents, mothers screaming at their children at church or just grabbing them and spanking them. And, and the mothers are out of control, but they're mm. fussing at their kid because they just hit their brother. And I'm like, there's no difference. You're obviously teaching your kid how to do those things. And so again, it's more of a, I don't know what term to use, like a parent focused parenting, <laughs> like be parent the yourself. You, yeah. Be the parent you want your kid to be like, be the, be that person. So. Yeah. And that comes back around again to like that self-awareness. Yes. You have to know yourself because self-awareness is understanding who you are, why you behave, is how did God actually make you? How were you designed? How, when are you the most happy? When are you the most productive or when are you your, all your gifts and your talents being used to the fullest. When do you need to take a break? What is healthy for you um, through nutrition or through mental health? Um, what people do you need to cut out of your life? And so there's all these things that it's not being self-centered to be self-aware. And that goes back to what we're talking about when your kid says or does something that you would see as wrong and you feel it as a personal attack if you have self-awareness, you can see outside of that and realize this is about my child and my child's needs, whether it's emotional or physical, or maybe they're tired or need some protein. 
Um, exactly. And you're able to take that off of yourself. Mm, that's so, that's so wise. So what hope is there for parents who are worried about having answers? Cause when our kids come to us big yeah. with big questions that we still are trying to figure out mm-hmm. or might never figure out, how do you deal with not having it all together? Well, truthfully, I think it's really good for children to know that mommy doesn't know everything. Mm. Um, a lot of how I was raised, um, again, within Christian fundamentalism, your authorities are one of your images of God. So when you look at your parent, you're supposed to see this all-knowing, perfect being. Mm. And you're never supposed to question them. You're never supposed to doubt them. You're supposed to obey without, I mean, just, just obey for no other reason than they told you to. And so I see being a parent who's transparent and saying, mommy doesn't know, but let's go find out together. Or you know what? I'm changing what I think about this. And daddy and I are talking and God and I are talking. We're reading some books about it and we're going to the Bible and ask me that question again in a couple of months Mm. or just flat out saying, you know what? I don't know. (laughs) Mommy used to think I knew, but right now I don't know. Another one is mommy's growing too. You never stop learning. You never stop making mistakes. Right. And so it's like Miss Frizzle from Magic School Bus, you know, like, what did she say? Like, make mistakes and get creative and explore. And like these little lines that she says, it's so true because you want your children to be curious about the world and curious about who God is. And I feel like the hope is you can teach your children, like we were saying earlier, unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. You can teach them to be inquisitive and want to explore the world, to not live in fear. So how many of us, and that's in one of my notes, like I know I grew up chronically afraid of my parents. I obeyed out of fear, not Mm. out of choice, not out of love. Mm. And so you, you can give your children a world where they're not afraid of their parents, where I can tell my mom, I hate you. And I'm not spanked and grounded and all these things, because my mom knows she understands that, okay, we shouldn't talk to one another that way, because words are like toothpaste that can't go back in a tube. But mommy cares about my needs and how to help me through that and in my experience your child like we're saying before kids don't get enough credit they know because they know what is right and tap into the choices that they make and to learn how to build that relationship with Mm. god for themselves instead of having to deconstruct and reconstruct our goal is just to help them construct their their beliefs so that they don't have to have this massive falling apart and pieces going everywhere. Another mm-hmm. thing that I've seen is constant change that's different than deconstruction because you are intentionally with purpose making a change and just talk with your kids about it. Just be open with them. Um, having conversation 
I think it's healthy. Mm, yeah. I love that you, what you said about just being transparent with our kids and being honest that we don't know everything because there is like yeah. this pressure. I know I'm not sure exactly where it comes from, but there's this pressure to have it all figured out, to know all the answers when your kids come to you, that you'll be able to articulate something really well, especially if it's something that matters to you and we can let that go and just be honest and connect with our kids and go, you know what? I don't know. Let's look this up together. Or, you know, I'm still trying to figure this out. So I don't, I'm not sure what to tell you right now. Just that authenticity goes can go a long way with just even our kids rules make us feel safe and that's why through all these different systems the christian cults or christian churches all these things there's usually these this list of guidelines and the do's and the don'ts and the so whenever you say you know what we're deconstructing what we believe that means that list of rules that are supposed to help us it goes away mm-hmm. and i was talking with my husband the other night and i was like I had this image in my head of a giant, beautiful um, field and there were mountains surrounding it. And it was just like an idyllic, beautiful, something like in Crested Butte, Colorado, like some image of this gorgeous place. And there was this squared off little tiny area in the middle of this massive field. And there was a fence and inside that fence were all these people and it feels like to me that that's what so much of fundamentalism does is it puts people inside this squared little fence and says, you have to stay in there. Because when that one of the, if the gate was open or one of the sides of the fence sort of fall down, I think a lot of people would stay there. They would never go out Hmm. because once you step out, okay, where's the rules? Where's the fence? Where's the, you know, But yet what lies outside of that fence was still made by God. It's still beautiful, um, but it's scary because as soon as you take a step outside of the tiny little box inside this massive field, inside the whole wide world, that anything's possible, you know, and you can look at it from afar and be like, that looks interesting. And that looks beautiful, but you have to take a step out of Mm -hmm. the fence and you have to take it feels like a risk mm-hmm. because the rules are there to protect you, but yeah. they're not, God is there to protect you. And when you step outside of that box, you don't know yet how far you're going to go. When you start, no. like we yeah. talked about this in the last episode, when mm-hmm. you start laying it all out on the table, you don't know what you're going to keep yet. And some of it yeah. we're still very attached to. So some of it's easy to question and wonder, is this right? Okay. And to analyze it and other parts of it is terrifying to go, wait a second. What about that one? I'm not, I'm not ready to deal with that one. So we're afraid that if we step outside of that fence, yes, that that one might be next. Like I might have to get rid of, I might have to, and we might not, but making it available to question or to possibly deconstruct completely and get rid of it is terrifying. And there's no, there's another, sometimes like for me right now, I'm in this whole nother, like a second layer 
mm. or a third or fourth layer. I'm not sure how many yeah. layers I've gone through, <laughs> but of, I'm kind of, again, changing some beliefs and they could very, they would affect my child. They would affect my, my life, my marriage, everything again, because everything seems so huge and it's like, okay, I'm outside of the fence, but how many steps away from the fence have I gotten? You know, I haven't run off into the mountains yet. I'm still just like, how close can I stay to the fence? Because it, that's your comfort. Mm-hmm. And we're so afraid that when we do change our beliefs that it will screw up our kids. But the problem with that is there is no guarantee that, I mean, just look at the people, the people I was raised with. I have people that I was very close to who are now in prison. I have people who have abused children. I know people that are on, I don't know how many marriages. Like it didn't work because there is no formula. Mm -hmm. There is no guarantee. And that's where personal accountability and responsibility come in because kids were just taught if we follow those rules. Well, for me, we talked about last time, like, my deconstruction started when my birth did not go the way it was planned. I followed the rules. I did it right. And, but it didn't happen for me that way. Um, and so as soon as those rules are tested and they fail, now what else is going to crumble? Right. And, and that's the thing. Like, Where does your security come from? As a Christian, you say your identity, your security should come from, from God. But as a child, it comes from your parents. And so those, again, who are raised with unconditional love and acceptance, um, I've seen that they manage life better, even the big, the big changes. Yeah, that's such a good point. I have one more question I'd love to ask you. You got it. How do you foster friendship with your kids? Is it through authenticity? Is there any other nugget? How do you... How do you personally do that? Well, I don't want to say that I'm Lorelai Gilmore because I'm not, (laughs) but I'm not like my kids BFF because I think that that can be a scary place. But at the same time, I've learned from Lorelai Gilmore. Part of my deconstruction was watching a lot of TV shows (laughs) to see what what else is out there. But um, I believe what I tell my daughter a lot is when you grow up, we're going to be best friends. And I'll tell her I'm mommy first and your best friend second. But sometimes I said, but mommy, it has to be tough sometimes. And mommy has to make you do things that you don't want to do. And mommy should be like, I know. (laughs) But a lot of it is entering their world. And this is where I struggle because when you're raised in a cult-like world, when you're raised within fundamentalism, when you're raised through all of those things so often in a way, you miss your childhood. And so I have struggled playing with my kid. That again, you, we talk about it. We say, it's hard for mommy to do these things. So I'm going to give 15 minutes. We're going to play with your American Girl dolls for 15 minutes. What are we going to do? Um, my husband is very good. He can play all day long. <laughs> so he's, he's a big kid. And so that for us has worked well because he's the playmate in that sense of, of things. But I don't, as far as friendship goes, I think your kids need to understand that when they're older, then they're going to be friends. Right now, 
you, again, you are mommy. And so I feel like the friendship parenting model is not necessarily the healthiest one for a, a kid. Mm-hmm. Some of, because they do need to have that mommy's got you. Mommy's in charge as far as I will keep you safe. I will provide for you. I make these big decisions. You don't have to worry about money. So they need to understand that an adult is there to provide mm-hmm. for them, to protect them, um, and to make sure that they aren't doing anything stupid. It's going to hurt them. Um, you're there as their teacher, as their guide. And so I want my daughter to look forward to having mommy as their best friend. Like, let them know that you're there, that you're not always the serious obey mommy type of, type of person mm-hmm. that you can have fun that you look forward to that relationship with them that you like who they are that you're proud of who they are of their accomplishments that you like their personality i think it's super valuable just to know just to have some framework for the for the parenting when you are taking it your belief system all apart like how what am i teaching because I don't know everything of the faith aspect that I want to hand down to my kids. So what am I reinforcing the unconditional love, the absence of terror and fear, as well as mommy's here for me. Daddy's got my back. Like, mm-hmm. And then down the road, this will be a beautiful relationship too, as I grow and mature and need less of that physical protection, mommy and daddy will still be there for me. Just that foundation, I think is hopeful that it's available and that you you don't have to have it all figured out to be giving your kids a beautiful childhood and a foundation for relating with the world well. Well, (laughs) when you were saying that, I thought it was, you really um, brought all the pieces into one place, the, the last statement you made, I loved it. And it made me think about the term fake it till you make it. And why don't we all think part of, again, the things that we're deconstructing, the processes is having to look perfect. You mentioned it before. And that's one of the things that through legalism, through all of these things, it is appearance based and fake it till you make it is a very well accepted and practiced statements because the truth is none of us have it all together and so through transparency when my kid sees me mess up and I stop and I apologize like how many parents actually apologize mommy made a mistake I was wrong will you forgive me I'm sorry um or I saw how that affected you and your face fell and your heart must be hurting and you know so when you why do we need to fake it just be real because mm. make it till you make it just implies that there's a place to go to. Oh, but like there's a, a place parent, to achieve. Yes. But we're in life. Like there is no arriving yeah. through life. And your kids are, I mean, we're looking at it while you're raising your children. There's 80 more years ahead for them or maybe 75 or, you know, however many years, but there is no arrival. And I don't want them to fake it. I don't want them to, my daughter to see me faking it. Real life is now. There's not a dress rehearsal. It's now. And I, 
the faking it part and having to look the part. I think I mentioned the last podcast about how I thought my infant had to look beautiful every day. Like there had to be a bow and a perfect mm. outfit, like the little gimbery perfect look. And because that's what I had to do. Like we're an example to the world of God and of homeschoolers or of whatever. And we have to look beautiful and perfect all the time. And it's just a whitewashed tomb is what I saw so much. Like it looks great on the outside, but the inside's empty. Yeah, but no more fake. Just be real. You are more effective as a parent, as a person in business, in coaching, in whatever it is, when you're authentic than when you're trying to make up some persona or some, I have it all together. Look at me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've witnessed this in my own life and others, as soon as they are willing to be open about something ugly in their life or something that would, should be embarrassing or whatever it is, they are then able to be more effective and more impactful to whether it's their children, their families, or the people that they're serving. Mm, That's so good. Mm. I think that's a great place to just land this discussion on deconstruction and parenting, just that authenticity, that love, what we can give our kids is so hopeful that we don't have to worry about what we don't know yet. Thank you for your time. I think this was very helpful. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Abundant Grace Podcast. I would love it if you would share this podcast with a friend or take 30 seconds and write a rating and a review on Apple for the Abundant Grace podcast. It really does a world of difference to get the encouragement and information shared here into the ears of others like yourself. I would also love to hear what your thoughts on today's episode were. What landed for you? What is standing out and what is helping you move forward in your walk with Jesus? You can find me hanging out on Instagram emily.abundantgrace or send me an email hello at emilyklewis.com that's emily the letter k l o u i s.com and until next time remember that god's grace abounds and won't ever run out <laughs>